So I'm wondering, how many of you here, kids and adults can answer this question, have ever had an argument where you just really, 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 really have to have the last word? Yeah, a lot of us, right? Maybe you have a brother or a sister, and maybe you're arguing about who did what to who, or who touched who, or who took whose game, or what movie is better, and it ends up at the end like, did not, did two, did not, did two, did not, just like, oh, you got to get the last word in. Or maybe it's an argument between two adults or two politicians, and it goes something like this, did not, did two, did not, did two, oh, for some reason. Human beings, and I don't think it's unique just to us in this country, but human beings like to have the last word. And maybe it's because having the last word feels like it just settles something definitively. It makes us right because we've spoken last, and the case is closed, and we've won. We like to have the final word, the last word, don't we? And Easter, friends, is a final word kind of moment, if you will, of what Jesus' life and his ministry was about. The trouble is, there are a lot of folks arguing about what that final word really is. And if we get caught up in those arguments, and we can miss, if we just get stuck in those arguments, we can miss the power and promise of the final word if we get hung up in that argument, if we get hung up on the idea of a literal resurrection, the idea that Jesus, a living, breathing human, died and was buried and came back to life. If we get hung up on that, if we get stuck in our rational, scientific minds arguing, that's impossible, could not happen, it's never been replicated. Then we dismiss the whole story as irrelevant, and the final word in that story is a big, eh, whatever. Whatever. But there's another way. As the Unitarian Universalist minister, Reverend Forrest Church, says, I have no idea, he says, whether Jesus was physically resurrected or not, but I suspect he wasn't. If I am right, for many people, that would be it for Jesus, period. End of story. Christianity would be a delusion, a miscommunication of events faithfully transmitted to generation to generation for 2,000 years. Forrest Church goes on to say, that this fails to shake my faith is irrelevant because my faith isn't grounded in the bodily resurrection of Jesus, end quote. Bodily resurrection perhaps is not the final word. The final word, what really seems to matter here is that the disciples of Jesus, his followers, initially beside themselves with grief, you saw them weeping and in despair, heavy hearts and downcast eyes, those disciples certain that love had died, that the future was bleak, they experienced the spiritual rebirth, the transformation. They experienced resurrection. Initially, they were broken. But as they broke bread in community, sharing food with one another, they remembered the love their friend had shared with them and others, and something in them opened and awakened. As the poet writes, they discovered in that moment of breaking bread, they felt in their bodies in that moment that, yes, there is a brokenness, but out of that brokenness comes something unbroken. Yes, there's a shatteredness in life, but out of that can bloom this unshatterable sense of who you are. The disciples experienced resurrection in this life. 
out of fear and grief and confusion, the final and penetrating word was love. The disciples could go on. Freedom wasn't dead. Love and justice weren't dead. Out of death, something new in them was born. Here's the Easter story in another form. It's a poetic story called Gate 4A by Palestinian-American poet Naomi Shihab Nye. These are her words. Easter story in another form. These are her words. Wandering around the Albuquerque airport terminal after learning my flight had been delayed for four hours, I heard an announcement. If anyone in the vicinity of gate 4A understands any Arabic, please come to the gate immediately. Well, one pauses these days. Gate 4A was my own gate, so I went there. An older woman in full Palestinian embroidered dress, just like my grandma wore, was crumpled on the floor, wailing. Help, said the flight agent. Talk to her. What is, what is her problem? We told her the flight was going to be late, and she did this. I stooped to put my arm around the woman, and I spoke haltingly. Shudawa shubidak habibti? The moment she heard any words she knew, however poorly used, this woman stopped crying. She thought the flight had been canceled entirely. She needed to be in El Paso for major medical treatment the next day. I said, no, we're fine. You'll get there just later. Who is picking you up? Let's call him. We called her son. I spoke with him in English. I told him I would stay with his mother till we got on the plane. I'd ride next to her. She talked to him. Then we called her other sons, just for the fun of it. <laughs> then we called my dad, and he and she spoke for a while in Arabic and found out, of course, that they had ten friends in common. <laughs> then I thought, just for the heck of it, why not call some Palestinian poets I know and let them chat with her? This all took two hours. She was laughing a lot by then, telling of her life, patting my knee, answering questions. She had pulled a sack of homemade mamul cookies, little powdered sugar crumbly mounds stuffed with dates and nuts. She'd pulled them from her bag and was offering them to all of the women at the gate. To my amazement, not a single woman declined one. It was like a sacrament. The traveler from Argentina, the mom from California, the lovely woman from Laredo, we were all covered with the same powdered sugar and smiling. There is no better cookie. And then the airline broke out free apple juice from huge coolers, and two little girls from our flight ran around serving it, and they were covered in powdered sugar too. And I noticed my new best friend, by now we were holding hands, had a potted plant poking out of her bag, some medicinal thing with green furry leaves. Such an old country tradition. Always carry a plant. Always stay rooted to somewhere. And I looked around that gate of late and weary ones, and I thought, this is the world I want to live in. The shared world. Not a single person in that gate, once the crying of confusion stopped, seemed apprehensive about any other person. They took the cookies. I wanted to hug all those other women, too.
this can still happen anywhere. Not everything is lost. In a world, in a week, in a time when the final word so often seems to be despair or hopelessness, fear or death, the Easter story, the scene from the Albuquerque airport, many other such stories, suggests a different final word, a deeper truth. Again, and always, the final word is love. Love as the power that can resurrect us, that can take us from being the walking dead to the animated living. And I would suggest to you again that the Easter story is not so much about the resurrection of Jesus, but instead a story about us and the fact that we can experience a spiritual rebirth anywhere, anytime. Out of brokenness, something unbreakable and whole can be born. It happened 2,000 years ago. It happened in an Albuquerque airport. It can happen when we welcome people to eat and drink, when we break bread or share cookies with strangers. It can happen when we truly discover that fear and death cannot kill love, nor can fear or death take back the love we've given away. Easter is about our spiritual resurrection our returning to life in the face of death and addiction, fear and brokenheartedness. So this Easter season, amidst the heartbreak you hold, may you be resurrected. May you be called back to life. And may love be the final word in whatever crazy argument with yourself, with someone else. May love be the final word in whatever crazy argument you are wrapped up in. May it be so. And happy Easter. I love you. Amen.